Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. About to discuss Julio Jones and the Tennessee Titans in just a moment. Outkick 360. The Tennessee Power Hour is here. The crew is all here as well. Uh, shout out to Becca Risley and Sleepy Danny for making the show happen just down the hallway, as we like to say here at Blackbird Studio and the Blackbird Academy. More information there, theblackbirdacademy.com, as we broadcast live from Studio G right here in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. Big game tonight in Nashville as the Nashville Predators take on the Carolina Hurricanes facing elimination tonight at the Stone. And a question I'll pose to you guys because we could discuss a lot of the same keys that we went into game five with and we felt like the Preds played a really good style to go on the road and win that game. But Pecorine was known for a great career but we have never seen any goaltender wearing a Predators jersey that has played with as much consistency and, quite frankly, greatness. I mean, he's been great over the last three-month span than what we've seen from UC Soros. And while I'm not trying to say this is going in stone on his playoff record, and I'm not trying to say that you know years from now we're going to look back on Game 6 at Bridgestone Arena or potential Game 7 uh, back in Raleigh, there, there is some significance to the fact that we never saw Pecorine reach this type of play until years down the road compared to where Soros is right now age-wise. And what he has an option and a potential to do by taking over these final two, and especially tonight, will help shape the narrative around how we view UC Soros in net for the Nashville Predators. Um, if, if we want to, it, David Poyle, he, he likes, uh, and he, he said prior to the series starting, I believe it was on 1025 here in, in Nashville, Chad, that he's going to learn a lot about his team in this series. Well, th that may be true. We, we've learned a lot about UC Soros this season. And while I'm not saying that he has a horrendous game, that somehow he, he's not the guy. I'm not trying to go there. But if he lifts this team, in an elimination matchup as the decided underdog, a team that's the decided underdog in Vegas um, going into the postseason. What a massive victory for a young goaltender. Well, he's been great, and I fully expect him to be great tonight. I don't see what would change things, really. But the thing is that he's been great, and they've lost three games. And we, yeah. haven't, we haven't pinned those losses on him. So he can be great tonight, and they can lose. I, I think he can be great and be better. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, he could pitch a shutout I'm offering a, a situation where he's just unstoppable. He you, could, you can't get it past him. He could, he could th throw a shutout tonight. He could give up one goal tonight, and they could win on his back that way, which you're talking about, kind of taking it to a new heights. But they could also lose in that scenario, and he could still be fantastic. So... I get what you're saying about uh, it would be great if for him the first series that he starts as a legacy builder in as a playoff goalie 
is them winning this series and them winning this game en route to winning the series, which obviously is a necessity. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sold enough on everything else that I'm convinced that uh, he alone kind of can can do it. Uh, I need I need him plus. Um, well, yeah, but here's the thing: it, there's no more playoff Pekka. Th that's the key. I mean, regardless of what happens tonight, he could suck tonight. And they lose. He was still really good in five of the six games. And with Pecorine too often, it was one game on, one game off. He got pulled from a game seven at home. Quick. Quickly. Yeah. Because you immediately knew, everyone in the building knew. Well, that we he didn't sucked. forget that. He sucks tonight. Got to get him out of there. See, that's that, zero that was, chance of that look, tonight. That's, and this is not, there's no chance of I'm not trying tonight. to disrespect Pecorine, but that's the knock on. He had a great career. And he's the all-time most beloved Nashville Predator. But that was the knock on him. I, I see UC Soros, and I, I see a player that it's a very small sample size, but he's not the problem in the playoffs. No. He wasn't the problem against Arizona, and he has been a huge plus for the Preds so far in this playoff series. And I think to your point, Hutton, tonight could just further cement that, that he's not one of those guys you're worried about going into clutch moments. There's no chance of him being a problem tonight. I, I mean, I think we're all going to the building tonight. None of us are feeling like... The assumption is he's going to be fine. Right. Fine or fine plus or, or, or fine plus, 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 plus. Yeah. But there's no chance, like we went into the building or, or we saw some of those PECA games where you're like, man, is he going to make you it through know. the first 10 minutes? Yeah. And, and we knew there was potential he was going to be pulled in the first 10 minutes, and he was pulled in the first 10 minutes. That's a non-factor for this team. Right well, now, I only which offered is a great up because we're, we're begin I think we're seeing the, the turn of... Uh, another excellent goaltender for the Nashville Predators, but we're also seeing what could be the beginning of a, a playoff mentality of a guy in net that you go into trusting. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, like that's uh, absolutely. I completely agree. And, and, and I bring it up on a, a night where they face elimination, where they've—I mean—they've got to have him at his. Yeah, I but think. They, I mean, of course, they need players around him, and we've seen those players step up this series. They've got to have that tonight too. Let's flip this. But if there's one guy, I, I I would hang my hat on and say, here's why they're winning an elimination game. It's Soros. Let's flip this because Carolina came into this series without a set goaltender. Now I don't know if if the expectation was that they would still kind of rotate in the playoffs or if they would go with their guy and as long as he was good, they would stick with them. But the Predators, I think, and David, I'd love to hear from you on this, had a chance to force change for Carolina in that. And while they've been good, they haven't done that. Um, and should they have done that? Can they do that t t tonight with an explosion? Is that in the realm of possible? No, because in the past, even so, uh, the last home game of the season, they played Morazic. In the past, the Predators have run Morazic from uh, from a game before. So that that I don't uh, outside of injury, I don't think that's even a, a possibility. They I think they'd have three goalies on their roster. I think if I they think were going to make a change, they would have done it prior to Game Five just to shake things up yep. based on how yeah. three and four went. And they were going home and decided to, to stick with it. And he didn't play bad. He hasn't no. played badly at all. Yeah, the thing about it, though, is they're having the same exact discussion in Raleigh about Nedeljkovic as we are here about Soros. Um, and, of course, we, we need the nine line to, to show up again. Um, and we mentioned yesterday how that the, the stall pairing uh, for Carolina with home ice, they dictated those matchups. 
And we saw the nine line here at home dictate some of those matchups back at Bridgestone Arena where they played lights out. Um, can they bury a few early? Forsberg had an opportunity in, in game five to do that on the road and, and missed it. Uh, can we see Duchesne and, and more consistency from Johansson top to bottom? You still feel like uh, Tolvanen on the verge? Is that another bet you'd lean I think. I, I mean, when I watch him shoot the puck, I love it. I mean, I, I, I think he's due. Um, it's just uh, getting some opportunities. I don't expect much change, but Making uh, the most Adam Vingan at The Athletic makes an interesting suggestion. The one tinker he'd like to see is putting Tolvanen and Forsberg together on the power play instead of having mm. them separate. Now that would load up one power play and weaken, uh, weaken the other, but I kind of I like that idea of being equally threatening out of both circles um, at, at the front of, of that power play. I don't know that, they'll, that Hines will do a anything differently. I mean, they didn't lose by a lot in this game. And I, I could argue that they played their best game in, in this loss. But, you know, again, I'm the guy who says, you know, the result tells you how you ultimately played. How much do we judge based on this performance tonight? How much are we overselling the fact of a win or a loss in an elimination game? Going into the series, I wanted to see the Predators take it to game six, and they've done that. I, I'm not taking much away from it. I think the Preds are going to win tonight because I like the energy they brought at home in this series, and I think they're going to do that again. We know what the Preds are right now. We know that because from March 15th on, they've been great, and I think they've been really good in this series against a team that is far superior than them and a team that should challenge for a Stanley Cup. Preds aren't there. They're not there right now to challenge for a Stanley Cup, but they are challenging a team who could go on to challenge for a Stanley Cup. I don't think they're winning this series. I think they win tonight. I think they lose in seven, which is a great accomplishment based on how they were dead and buried back in early March and, and what they've been able to do. But the bigger conversation we're going to be having once this series ends, whether that's late, late tonight or after game seven, is what are the Preds really? Mm -hmm. Is it something in between the start of the season and the finish? Is it more of the finish to the season and they're really close? to getting back to that Stanley Cup level? Or has this been more of a, a, an, an aberration to where it's the start of the season, and that's the true Preds? We're all going to be in attendance, all four of us. Um, so uh, when they drop the puck with 14,000-plus in the building, uh, the electricity inside the stone is going to be awesome. 8.30 puck drop, uh, but that, that arena is going to be rocking. Cannot wait tonight. They're this. I think. I mean, they've been this for a while. There's no reason they shouldn't be this. And a lot of this has been mentality. And I, I, This yeah. is something I struggle with in hockey, the buy-in to fight end-to-end -end and to scrap and for it to mean more to you than the other team and stuff. When they play like that, this is what they are. Why didn't they play like that earlier, longer? Uh, you know, part of it is that the injuries set them up to get the right people in, but now the right people are in. They know who they are, and they know they can play like this. Now, if you don't play like this, it's on the guy's mentality. So I think you have a meeting with every guy when it's over, whether it's over tonight, whether it's over uh, Game 7, or whether point. it's over a next series or the series after that. You tell every guy. You've set the standard with how you can play. Now, if you don't play like that, it's on you. And I'm going to call you into my office every time you don't play like that, show you tape of how you played like that, and tell you, again, this on the wall right here is what I expect. If you're not playing like that, you're a scratch.
Period. The Preds are a team that, to me, I'm with you. it's an organization and a, and a group that they need to be disrespected to play their Which hardest. is ridiculous. Which is ridiculous. I, I, I really, I really sense a theme here. They win the President's Trophy. Like they lose in the second round to Winnipeg. They're the favorite against Dallas, and Dallas looks like the hungrier team that comes out. They were the disrespected when they win that series. Arizona should have won that series a year ago. They didn't play like a team that truly wanted it. And then they get their backs up against the wall this year. They go on a great run just to get in the playoffs. They get in this series where no one's picking them, and they're over-delivering again. That, to me, if you're looking for a culture of the Preds, that's the culture. They're not a front-runner. They're not good when they're the best team in a series oftentimes. What was the year they went to the Stanley Cup final again? Oh, yeah, it was when they were the eighth seed. Yeah. And they beat the number one seed in the first round. It's a franchise that is comfortable with overachieving and uncomfortable with achieving. I don't, I don't like times. that as a characteristic in a team at all. But I'll say this. I, I, I like it when you. your team is supposed to be bad. And they're good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's great. But when I don't you're not like, picked to do anything like the and they're good, end. it's a great quality. I don't like the other end where you exactly. can't live up to expectations. But I disagree with you on the other thing, Chad, and I, and I all along have thought they were going to lose. I do think, like, it's gratifying now for them, whatever happens, that you say, hey, um, they stood toe-to-toe with a team that, that seemed significantly better than them. But they're not significantly better than them based on this series anymore, right? That's washed away. Tonight, at home, they should be right there. And there's no reason they can't now go win this series and go on a run. You go into the second series with a clean slate, and you could do the same thing again. They can, I I think, Chad, be a contender for the Stanley Cup in this. They've got the goalie, which is the main ingredient, and they're playing with the grit and the mindset, which was absent when they were bad and which is present when they're good. I can't believe I'm saying it, and I don't really believe that they're going to win these two games, but they can win these two games. They can win these two games, and if they can win these two games, then they can win another series and another series after that. Well, your mindset's changed a lot since yesterday when you said they were losing in six after I, watching game five. I just, uh, I, yeah, I, I've thought more about it, and I All feel like and he's, if they, he's optimistic now. <laughs> I feel like if they play like they played the other night, yeah, I mean, that's their they, recipe. They're, they're going to win at home if they, they play that way. They should win at home. And yes. if they win at home, then a game sevens, you know, anything any, anything goes, it probably comes down to a bounce. You know, and they're kind of due. Well, they're not due for a bounce. I mean, but the stall kind of play that won them that game, the Preds haven't had that kind of play. That's right. Willing them to win through effort and execution uh, is what Jordan Stahl has done in this series. I still don't think they're making it out of the series, but I think they can make it out of the series. Um I still don't know what that means. Uh, you don't think they will, but they can. I mean, I, we, we can all say that. Right. Yeah. I, it's not some profound I, statement. I'm going to say they're not making it out of this series. They're going to win the night and lose in seven. That's what I predict. You know what else I predict? Paul and I are going to have a big disagreement yeah. on our next topic. So I'm curious, uh, is this Julio Jones related? Julio yeah. Jones. Okay, because I, I haven't heard the backstory with this. But Diana Rossini is reporting. Right. We can get into That we it, know. But reporting that the Titans have talked about Julio Jones, the Falcons, and that other teams are offering a first-round pick. And Paul and I fall on different sides of this debate. I don't know where Hutton falls on this, but about what the Titans should be willing to give up for Julio okay. Jones. Okay, yeah, let's discuss this because uh, A.J. Brown is willing to give up the moon. For Julio. Yes, he Julio! Is. He's putting out the, the call Daily to Daily video. Daily videos to, to Julio Jones, uh, which he's, I, I think A.J. It's has pressed fun. this. It's, it's been great. 
It's been great. Also great, mydrhank.com. Look, erectile dysfunction affects over half, half of all men, but it doesn't have to make you feel like half of a man. You can be like David Reed. You can make America hard again. Full man, David Since 2017, Reed. my Dr. Hank has been making America hard again. My Dr. Hank helps you get low-cost ED meds and overcome the psychological and emotional barriers to getting ED treatment. They secure your prescription, and then they ship it to you discreetly every month from USA Pharmacies for as low as $2 a pill. It's terrific. Oh, so don't wait. Join the movement to make America hard again. Go to mydrhank.com slash outkick to sign up. Tell Dr. Hank we sent you who give you 50% off your first subscription order. Mydrhank.com slash outkick. The offer available for a limited time. Mydrhank.com slash outkick. Tennessee Power Hour rolls on Outkick 360. Reports out, uh, Diana Rossini sending out the tweet this morning that the Titans have called about Julio Jones. That should be no surprise. Uh, they absolutely should be calling about Julio Jones. Here's the exact tweet from Diana Rossini uh, from ESPN sent out this morning. As we watch Titans players fiercely recruit Julio Jones on social media, I was told Atlanta has actually had discussions with Tennessee. No kidding. Uh, as of now, they are still talking but that's because they haven't traded him yet but i was told this is quote a long shot unquote for the titans to land jones uh it's a long shot right now because of the salary cap space involved with it and it's a long shot because it's not june 1st yet that's how to read into all of this he's not going to be trading until after june 1st in the Paul. second tweet she said something could happen as early as next week yeah next week, next week. Is june 1st yeah <laughs> and june 1st is when the salary cap hit uh, is cut for both Atlanta and Tennessee, if they wanted to trade players. Right. Do we have the second tweet there, or, or uh, we could just read it? I, I've got it here. Um, that. Sorry. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons have discussed several trade offers for Julio Jones, including an offer for a future first-round draft pick per sources. That, that's where we get into the debate here. That could easily be coming from Atlanta to try to set or reset uh, the market. Sure. Previously, indications sure. had been they were going to get a second rounder at best and that the value would be set largely on how much Atlanta would take of that $15 million 2021 salary as there are very few teams that... Uh, could take on a $15 million salary right now, given cap constrictions around the league, given that the cap is down, given that teams have made most of their moves. Uh, Tennessee, certainly a team that would have trouble taking on 15. Um, you know, uh, we've discussed here, Ryan Tannehill restructure would free up 20 for them. Still, they would want uh, Atlanta to take on some of that. Now, if Atlanta takes on a lot of that, you maybe give up the second. If Atlanta takes on a little of that, you'd be leaning more towards a, a third. You know, there could be some construction with some, some picks and picks back and things like that. The idea that Atlanta would take a player back is, uh, we talked about this yesterday, not very likely because Atlanta is really tight against the cap and they're looking to shed money here. Getting a player yes. back gives them uh, a cap burden back. I think it'd be crazy for the Titans to give up a first rounder, despite the fact that they haven't done well in the first round. 
you have to keep drafting players in the first round and seeking to get good players in the first round. Is, Chad is this player? Is this is this window open for the Titans to win a Super Bowl right now? Based yes. on what you said, with the, we're in the Derrick Henry window, right? Yes. There is no debate. If you were in a window and you have a chance to get Julio Jones for a first round pick, and you were the Titans especially given their first-round pick history. And I'm not talking about swinging and missing on first-round picks. I'm talking about what John Robinson tells us about his first-round picks, that none of his picks are worthy of a fifth year. You absolutely do this. Julio Jones for three years on this roster with this offense puts them possibly over the top to win a Super Bowl. And if you have any chance to do that, you do it. Because I don't want to come back a year from now and say, boy, I'm glad the Titans saved that first-round pick to go get a guy that's a long-term project to keep a team together that may not be the same team two years from now. I don't think there's any debate here about what the Titans should do, at least the mindset of it. I get that there are salary cap implications for how to restructure it and all of that. Seemingly every other team in the NFL can do these things other than the Titans when it comes to restructuring contracts. And I look forward to people saying they shouldn't trade a first-round pick for him, coming back and saying Bill Belichick's dumb when he does it. Because that's what's going to happen. I don't think anybody's given up a first for him. Uh, I think that Falcons are putting this out there. There'd been no mention of a first for this whole conversation. Hutton, there was, there was mention that they could have gotten a first maybe before the last draft. Or no, they were holding out for a first before the draft. Mm-hmm. They had an offer for a second. They didn't do it. They burn themselves. The value's not going up now. That's it's true. going down well, let me, now. L- let me ask you this I'd do way, it for Paul. a second if, if, if you got some money back. If you didn't get enough money back, I think the value goes down. But not a first. You're bidding. Who are you bidding against for a first? I don't think I'd play, I'd play chicken with that. I don't think anybody's giving up a first. Well, let's say it's a second. Let's say it's another do team it that a trades second. a second. Or would you be disappointed in the Titans for not pulling that deal off? I'd do it for the second with the would Titans. Would you be disappointed in the Titans for not pulling that deal off? Should Titans fans have a right to be disappointed? If, the, if somebody else comes, if someone else comes in and gets a second for Julio Jones, I want to set the expectation. Gets him for I want to set an expectation for John Robinson right now, who's done a good job making the Titans very respectable. But if this is a window that's open, you go for it. Chad, and here's somebody, a chance to go for it. If somebody can get him for a second, you don't have to give a first. You come in and offer Absolutely. a second and a six. That's my point, though. If someone pulls up, I, I, don't, I don't think you're right. I think it's going to be a first. And I think that Diana Rossini's on to something because someone is going to be willing to do it. And you're probably right. It's not the Titans. And I'm going to criticize the Titans for not pulling off the deal for a first if that happens. But if someone pulls off a second for him and it's not the Tennessee Titans, I'm pissed at the Tennessee Titans if I'm a fan, because I'm sitting here saying we are a franchise that's damn close. We proved it the last two years. There is an elite offense here in Nashville. How do you win Super Bowls? Elite offense, especially when your defense is suspect. You can win a Super Bowl with a somewhat suspect defense. I think the Titans defense will improve this year based on some things they've done, not to a great extent, but it's going to improve. If you can replace Corey Davis with Julio Jones, with A.J. Brown, with Derrick Henry, with Ryan Tannehill, with an offensive line that should be pretty good, what are you waiting on? I would offer a second plus. What is, what is the future you're looking to? I wouldn't offer a first. And I, I'm with you. I have no doubt that this team overrates Josh Reynolds, 
Nick Westbrook, Akina, Des Fitzpatrick, Cameron Batson, and thinks that they can plug those guys in and be fine. Certainly if they don't make a move here for Julio Jones or for something else, Jamison Crowder, whoever it is, some veteran that could come in who's not Julio Jones but is better than the group I just listed, if they don't do that, they're definitely overestimating what they have. And I don't put it past them that they would overestimate that group, Hutton. What do you think? I, I would trade for him. I, I would make the trade because of the window of opportunity. Um, look, that first, first? Yeah, that first round pick's not going to be spent on a wide receiver. They're going to pay big money to A.J. Brown moving forward. They're going to end up drafting another offensive lineman, probably an interior lineman or uh, a left tackle. Taylor Lawan averages 10 games a season again. So, um, look, I, I'm going with the skilled position. I'm trying to put this team over the top. I think they've taken a step back offensively overall. Uh, right now, you can double A.J. Brown. No one else is going to beat you consistently other than Derrick Henry, and that's on running downs, not on passing downs. Julio Jones changes that drastically. No, I agree. I just wouldn't do it. That's a first-round pick first. worthy. I'd do a second. Draft. But again, second what, what is the first that you're just unwilling to move on? And I'm not just talking about the, the history of, of John Robinson. I mean – you get more than where, that for but a first. Where this if team you're talking is, about a first, you're trading for Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Allen Robinson, DeAndre Hopkins, guys who are 28 and 27, but not guys who are 32. But, Paul, you've even said, your, your quote is, the window is the Derrick Henry window. As long right. as he's open. You're trading yeah, for the window. Not he's got only two, trading maybe the three window. years. The guy you trade for now, doesn't have. he'll help you in the window, but he can help you beyond the window if you're giving up a first-round pick for him. I, he should be a guy who's a, a lock for you in, in what happens after the window. Look, I don't think you're uh, throwing away the future of the franchise by throwing away one first-round pick. Julio Jones the might Titans, be a one-year The Titans guy. threw away a first-round pick a year ago, and their franchise hasn't well, it disappeared doesn't mean you yet. doesn't make a habit out of it. Well, I know, but the point being, if you're in, a, if you're in this window to win the, the title, to win a Super Bowl, go get Julio Jones. I'm not worried about three years from now when Derrick Henry's on the decline. And you're talking about drafting the guy next year in the first round that may not pay off in year one, that may be in the very tail end of Derrick Henry's window that he starts mm -hmm. producing at a different position when you have a chance to really put this offense over the top. And I, I am not overstating here what I, what I believe this offense could be with Julio Jones. It is Kansas City Chiefs-level offense when you talk about Julio Jones is far superior to Corey Davis. And look at where the Titans ranked a year ago in offense. Now put him opposite A.J. Brown. With I just think the, the possibilities are through the roof of what the offense Kansas could do. City level. Who's the tight end compared to Kelsey? Well, they don't have I mean, the tight end right now, first. but it's... It, they're it's, putting up 35 to 40 a game. Yeah, and that's what Kansas City does. This is what they did last year. Also, who's the running back on Kansas City that's Derrick Henry? That's where the, the balance happens out with what the Titans can do offensively. And I'll also say this. If you're right, Paul, and they're overvaluing Josh Reynolds and NWI uh, as receivers, they're also undervaluing Arthur Smith and his loss. Because I think the assumption is we're going to make it work because we're so good at calling offensive plays and designing a structure. And the Titans made that mistake with Dean Pease well, once. Uh, yeah, I, I think we don't know what the new offensive coordinator is going to look like. I think they're overvaluing these guys and the sustainability of the offense, and I think they're also saying we've given up a little bit on offense in exchange for a, 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 a lot of personnel change on defense that's going to make them a lot better on, on defense. And so they'll get off the field more on third down, and that'll help the offense. I think that's their thinking. 
what does this do and it, you don't make the trade just simply for this um, but the value of Julio Jones and the go for it mentality with this group of players and the message that sends oh I mean that, I mean that, the, the confidence level is already high within the Titans locker room it, yeah. it's at an all-time high crazy. Uh, with the swagger and, and the, the alpha mentality that we all love to see. I mean, they've got plenty of those guys. But by trading for Julio Jones and dropping him into an offense that's already walking with the Vince McMahon entrance, right? They're, they're already expecting to go into a game and you have to, you have to score 36 to win. Uh, now, you can make the argument last year you could do that against this Titans yeah. defense. But a defense that's improved, uh, you're bringing in Bud Dupree, who reflects that same mentality that you would be trading for with Julio Jones, right? Like that that's there's there's a there's an expectation level that 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 rises just a, a tad within that locker room even though they wouldn't admit it because they would say right now they're already expecting to win the Lombardi trophy. But I, I think the perception outside looking in immediately boost the Titans up a notch. I think it would shift a lot of focus off of the question of wide receiver and tight end, which hasn't been sufficiently addressed. To coach? To downing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and to the coaching changes overall. Changes or um, additions, subtractions. Well, you're giving downing Julio Jones, and now we're saying this offense is potentially better personnel-wise than what Arthur was left with when Arthur was doing pretty damn well with it. So can right. you now match Arthur or surpass Arthur in terms of what you're doing with the pieces that you've been provided? The one thing we, we do know is the, the only concern with Julio Jones would be the the recent injury history where he's missed seven games due to leg issues, yeah. right? Muscle pulls. And, and he's had strains. a lot of injuries. He doesn't know. He, uh, he's been on the field a lot when he hasn't been 100%. You, you can bump him for that. But he's also sure. averaged 95.5 yards a game in his career, which is like almost 10 yards better than Calvin Johnson, a Hall of Famer who's number two. So... You know, and I've heard some talk about well, there's only one ball to go to go around or whatever. He's he's not gonna probably have as many chances, but they're gonna throw the ball to him and AJ Brown a, a ton. They're gonna be less tight end receptions, and Josh Reynolds is gonna be very much a third. Uh, you know, they, if they have Julio Jones, they're gonna get him the ball. And what's the effect of not doing it? You know, Hutton laid out the effect on the locker room and the attitude of the team by going for it and doing it and how it even adds swagger to a group that already has swagger, what's the effect of not doing it, of sending the message of next year's first-round pick is more important than this year with this group, with Derrick Henry in his prime? What type of message are you sending the locker room at that point? And also, from an on-field standpoint, let's say New, uh, New England pulls this off. Let's say Indianapolis. If Indianapolis gets in the it, division pulls this off. Very poorly. I mean there there's also the AFC angle of this that Julio Jones could go and make New England a playoff team again. He could go to Indianapolis and make them a team that's going to beat the Titans mm -hmm. in the AFC South and win that division. There's a lot to factor in, not not just with the attitude that it brings. We haven't done the devil's advocate side of things. Let, let's explore this a little bit. He, he comes here and he's uh, ten days in with the hamstring, and he's not practicing. And we're in this thing with the Titans are often in with wide receivers, good or bad guys who are 
uh, not seen on the practice field and presumably inside uh, with Todd Torricelli and uh, maybe on the, in the pool or on the, on the bike. And then it's a day-to-day -day thing as to whether he's seen at practice and he's on the injury report regularly and he's scratched one of the first uh, three games and he's got limited snaps in, in the other two. And then what's the tone in the conversation? Well, let's also pose it this way. A healthy Julio Jones is where in the league at his position? Top, Top eight. Okay. Derrick Henry's number one at his position. Ryan Tannehill's a top seven or eight quarterback, statistically. Um, he's paid like a top 15, but, I mean, he's among the top sure. group. A.J. Brown, top eight at his position. Um, they lose a wide receiver from their offense, and Corey Davis, that's what, top 40 in the league? Top 40 or 50. Uh, John o. Smith is top 15 tight end. I mean, he's non-existent when he's asked to block. Um, because they had no one else to turn to. Um, and that's no fault of his own. I'm just comparing him to the top tight ends in the NFL. Production-wise. Um, yeah, that, that, guy's, that guy's worth trading for. Um, and it's worth trading for because uh, the history of the first-round pick beyond that is I'm trading for, I'm contemplating trading a first-round pick, so I'm trading for Julio Jones or I'm trading for a player to be named that's going to be here for four years. That's the track record of the first-round picks in Nashville. And, and let's give John Robinson the benefit of the doubt that Caleb Farley works out in year one, and he recovers from the back injury, and he's great. Mm -hmm. He's a lockdown corner, and he's a really productive starter for this team, and the defense is much improved because of him and because of Bud Dupree. And then we're looking back a year from now, looking at Josh Reynolds as the number two option and how that affected the offense and how they went way downhill, and they didn't win the division because the Indianapolis Colts traded for Julio Jones and not the, not the Titans. I think that is despicable of the Titans if that's the case and that's how it works out. And Hunter, what you just said, that's two top ten wide receivers, a top ten quarterback, the number one running back on one offense. Top, one of the top left tackles I, in the league. You may laugh at it, Paul, but that is Kansas City Chiefs level offense. He's not Pat Mahomes, and that's what's going to be the comparison. Right. I mean, Tannehill's not that, obviously, but someone tweets in, in fact, and you can always interact with us on Twitter, at Outkick360, um, and said, I'm looking for the comparison, basically said that the, the Chiefs are a team that's had one first-round pick since trading away their first-round pick for the next year to trade up and get Mahomes. And that was Edward Hilaire this past year. So that's a team that's going for it. If you plan that's on drafting not at the, the bottom round of the first round anyway when, while the window's open, uh, and that's where the, the Titans would be. The value is the fifth round, the, 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 not fifth round, the fifth-year option and drafting position and knee without having to maneuver to get to the top of the second round. But, I mean, uh, the, the value of the first round is a top 15 pick to me. And the Titans are not anticipating that. The Falcons would be. The Falcons want to get top 15 pick and then a second pick that they can bundle together. Well, I, I wouldn't say the value of the first round is a top 15 pick. A first round pick is a first round pick. That's it's great, but I mean, there's 17 or 18, 20 players who are legitimately first round talents year to year. Yeah, where was and Julio the, Jones drafted? Top five, right? Yes. Top 10 overall? Because Justin's saying your best case scenario for not trading the first rounder is that that first rounder becomes Julio Jones for a three year period at some point. You're not getting Julio Jones regularly in the late 20s, where the Titans theoretically should be picking next year. You're just not. 
Well, there are a lot of good players drafted in the late 20s if you're doing your and, job. And you know what? There's also a lot of great players drafted in the second round. And you know who's drafted a lot of them? John Robinson, who's got a better track record in the second round than he does the first round. And a lot of those guys at the bottom of the first have a close, a close grade to guys that are drafted in the second round. Compared to a top 15 uh, sure. pick. I, I don't, it's 32 picks until you're, you're right. second rounder. I don't believe in hard and fast rules. I'm saying rules. it's worth the cost. And I think, that, I think John Robinson's a guy with some hard and fast rules about things, about value of first round pick and all of this. I don't believe in that because you're going to be at different points in your franchise. Hmm. Four or five years ago, this may have not made any sense. And he could have gone to everyone and said, yeah, I'm not trading a first round pick for that much money. And for a guy that has two, maybe three years left at a high level. You can say that at certain times. You can't say that right now. You have to have a sliding scale of your own rules of how you go about roster management based on where you are as a team and as a roster. And I hope that John Robinson understands that and is not just putting some arbitrary list of, I do this, 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 and this, and I don't do this, this, and this as a franchise. Could well, you the other thing he has to be doing, got to be flexible. never mind this year's cap for a minute. If, if he restructures Tannehill, which it would take to make this happen, he's pushing $11 million to next year's cap for Tannehill. Mm-hmm. And then Julio Jones costs $11 million against next year's cap. There's $22 million against next year's cap previously unaccounted for versus next year's first rounder who costs a couple million dollars against the cap. So where's that uh, $22 million coming from? It's costing you something else. Next year's cap is still low. It doesn't open up until 2023. It's a 14% increase in next year's cap from where it is right now. It's going up to $209 million. That's the ceiling, I think I read. That's not locked in. But, uh, yeah, that's still yeah. a significant well, the, the hit. The two sides agreed to that, a yeah. 14% increase. That's still a significant hit that he obviously is reluctant to take on the 11 for Tannehill. Has been. Um, yeah, I've been saying it's going from 182 it. to 209. Right. It's a reluctant hit that to, for Tannehill. They haven't done that yet, and he's been reluctant to to restructure. And then the new contract would double that up. I mean, so I, 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 would, I would meet you guys. I would meet you guys in the middle on this. I would offer a conditional first to Atlanta. Julio Jones meets a certain bar of expectation. He's a Pro Bowl player. Whatever bar you want to set. Um, I'd say you get a first-round pick. Fourteen games. Otherwise, you get a. Otherwise, you get a, a second rounder. Yeah, I mean, if the Titans could pull that off, terrific. To me, that's a great deal. If it's well, you don't want to bid against pick. yourself. I don't right. know what the other I, offers I, I, are. If, if Diane talking Rossini, about a first-round pick until this tweet, and this tweet probably I, comes I, from Atlanta. I know, but if Diana, so why are you a sucker for Atlanta's tweet? If Diana Rossini is correct, all right. Diana Rossini's not wrong that often that I'm aware of. If she's right and there's at least one team that's offering a first-round pick and the Titans are saying, well, he's not worth a first-round pick to us, I have a problem with that. And I disagree with that stance. When it was a second-round pick, yeah, absolutely. I was signing up for all that yesterday. I would, I would do that. I would do Hutton's idea of a conditional first-round. I'd be great with that. I'm not going to be okay with the Patriots <laughs> or the Colts or anyone else being willing to do a first-round pick. Paul, if it's a terrible franchise, if it's the Detroit Lions that make the move, for them, you can come back and say, yeah, it's the Lions that did it. But I look forward to you saying the Patriots are idiots for giving up a first-round pick when that deal happens. Because that's a guy who's winning championships. 
And this is a team I want to see win a championship. And that's the ultimate goal for John Robinson. Well, if so the go Patriots, about doing if it. If the Patriots give up a first rounder next week, I'm not going to berate the Titans until I see that Julio Jones is is uh, doing something for them in the in the first month of the season. If he gets there and he's hobbling around, I'm going to say the Titans well medically had had some insight. But when but when he comes in, uh, Robinson, I'm saying, and stands at the podium and says, "We have to reap," you know, I'm paraphrasing yeah. here. You rebuild from the front lines out, and you spend all this time investing in offensive and defensive lines and building with pieces. There's a time where you have your structure in order, and you have contracts in place, and you go for it. And this would be a go-for-it move at a time where that would be warranted. Two or three years ago, no. I I don't think it makes a lot of sense based on where they were. But two consecutive years of what we've seen where they start out last year what five and oh six and oh uh before they ultimately win the division point point being there's a certain expectation with this franchise now that is no longer just happy to be at the top of the afc south and competing for the afc south um this is a move that potentially puts you over that after you've already improved your defense significantly by Going for it in pass rush and investing in pass rush. I don't at all disagree about wanting him. I disagree about the value of what it takes to get him. Well, and we will. And, and that'll bear itself out. I mean, sure. we'll know when the deal's made by whoever. There are whether uh, this is real or not. There are some things within the Rusini tweet that we should take away. They, you know, the mention of the first round pick that's significant because that's coming from someone. Uh, most likely, as Paul is saying, from Atlanta. There are other details that are obvious. Next week. Uh, next next week, week, after June 1st, we know the calendar date, which is not spelled out in a 200-character uh, tweet. But the calendar date significantly helps the salary cap structure for teams. Uh, it saves Atlanta $15 million dollars yeah, against so this year's cap. That's so why, it's not happening before That's why June's they day. would wait uh, and wait the extra day. So th- that's not some Any breaking news. news. No. Um, as much as is stating facts, um, but also, with, with we'll, and also, we're drawing a direct line between the two tweets. The one tweet was specifically about the Titans, and what did she say? Not likely, or a long shot. Long shot. Um, you know, and the other tweet was about the idea that there's a first rounder out there. We don't know that those two things are connected, or, or well, you know, we'll, we'll there's know been some contact. Was, we don't know how strong the contact. We is. will know clearly if she was fed a lie if he's traded for well, a second round pick. But the the long shot aspect of this is the current structure of the cap for the Tennessee Titans. Yes. That's what makes it a long shot. It's not that they feel like Atlanta won't trade him. I don't read it like that. I read it as... Well, there's three factors. I, I read it like factors. Indianapolis and, and New England, just to name two teams that are contenders have money. in the AFC. They, they have more structure to make a move like this. They're, they're available to to do this without restructuring a contract here or there. But the, the Titans, Titans can have it like that. Titans do they want to have it like that? It doesn't right. seem like they want to have it like that. We want to have some cash in our pocket with the 360. I'm going to put it in our pocket when we come back. The 360 parlay is straight ahead. Plus, Renters Warehouse can put some cash in your pocket as well. Upfront rent payments for a year with Renters Warehouse Nashville. The website, rwnashville.com. They made this website specifically for OutKick 360. So go to that website, find out if you qualify. The phone number is 615-398-9550. And by giving you your money up front, Renters Warehouse helps minimize risk and provides financial flexibility so you can build 
long-term wealth. The Upfront Rent Program, available for a limited time. Find out if you qualify by going to rwnashville.com. And the phone number is 615-398-9550. Do it the Renters Warehouse way and get tomorrow's rent today. We've got details on the 360 Parlay, plus a former Titans quarterback currently just released. We'll give our thoughts next on Outkick 360. Cole McDonald, uh, no longer, hello everyone. Cole McDonald, no longer uh, in the league, released by the Arizona Cardinals. He's used to being out of the league. That's right. Doesn't even make the camp. He spent more time out of the league since he's been drafted than he spent in the league. Um, Great pick. Time for the 360 parlay. FanDuel.com slash OK360 is where you can join us for tonight's parlay. It's on Paul. I lost last night. Uh, where the Braves did not win over the Red Sox. We did see the Knicks cover, but it doesn't count. We need two hits. All right, here we go, boys. Angels are at the A's tonight. Otani's got an ERA of 2.39. Bassett, 3.69. We're going under 7.5 runs. Angels at A's, under 7.5. Okay. And we're all at Bridgestone Arena tonight. We've got a good feeling about the Preds. We're going Preds money line. This is plus three forty-nine. Five dollars wins us seventeen forty-five. Got it. It's up on the screen there for those of you who need the visual assistance. Fanduel.com/slash/ok360. Paul John McLean, who uh, is a friend of this show sent out a tweet that says, as I make my FanDuel bet official, sent out a tweet that said that currently at the Texans OTAs, players are running around with no numbers on their uniform. They have 50 new players, and reporters are not allowed to uh, identify them. They have a list of names, but no numbers. This is asinine. Uh, I don't know how you do that as a coach. Yeah. But, but screw, like, I'm not even worried about the media. Like as a as a coach splitting up all these players, how do you go about trying to keep up with everyone? I'm an independent reporter. I do not have a boss or an outlet. Uh, but I wonder if McLean considered doing what I think I would have done. I would have taken that roster. I really think I would have done this. I would have taken that roster. I would have gone to the highest ranking person I could have gotten close to. I would have. Uh, let me let me give you a visual here. Go ahead. I would have Here's taken the roster. that roster. Texans roster. I would have gone up to the highest ranking person I could find. I would have done this and this, and I would have left. <laughs> you walk off. That would have been the walk off. I would have said, I, I, I listen. I, I know that you think that my coverage is somehow obligatory. I'm going to write a piece about you being asses about this, and I'm going to write nothing about these 50 people who I can't identify. If I can't identify the people you want publicity about, there will be no publicity about them. Period. I, I mean, it's, it's unreasonable. People are blaming Belichick for this, but at least Belichick puts numbers on rookies. I think there's a rule against it. Belichick has done this before, and I think it created a rule against Here's it. Here's 50. I think this is violation. Mac Jones wearing 50 at practice. He numbers them 50 through 50 whatever, just uh, consecutive numbers. But he's done this before as well. 
Um, there's some shtick that they put on that this is better for the players. They have to communicate oh, in yeah, a way looking out for the without, players. So without uh, yeah. just relying well, on numbers. Chad, don't want to hurt, the, don't, don't don't hurt the feelings of those we grown men We have to look at football. each other and communicate in a different way. I can't just know you're the tight end by seeing your number. <laughs> Whatever. Give me a break. It's yeah. not rocket science. It's, it's a not. game. We are back at it tomorrow after tonight's big game at Bridgestone Arena. Game six, Preds facing elimination uh, against the Hurricanes. We'll recap that tomorrow. Plus, the Tennessee Power Hour includes the VolQuest Power Hour every Friday. Looking forward to Brent Hubbs and Austin Price joining us right here on OutKick 360. That quintuple overtime is going to be <laughs> a late finish. I hope the parking situation's okay. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.